This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY dash giving. We're in Proverbs chapter three. Well, chapter two. And we're going to be in, in chapter three in just a few in just a few minutes. But before we begin, all right, quick word. We've got to promote our Bible study here. Invite people. Just because it's not a church service and and salvation is not preached necessarily or something like that, although it comes up often enough in in the studies that we do. Just because it's not a church service and there's no offering that's received and there's no music and there's no worship necessarily, it's strictly a study. It's still very good and it is critically important. And I'll tell you why it's critically important, okay? If, if you will allow me a moment to, to promote the why, okay? It's because a lot of times, and I've heard it said like this before, and it is so true. A lot of times in the worship services and in the preaching, we learn the what, Okay, we learn the what in our Christianity, what to do, what not to do, what to think and what to meditate on and all of that. But it's in the Bible studies when we dig down into the guts and the, in the trenches of the word of God, when we get into the heart of the word, a lot of times it's there that we learn the why. And that, always, that doesn't always come out in the preaching. Sometimes it does and maybe it does but less so than in the teaching. It's in the teaching that we encounter the details that we don't always get in, in, uh, in the hot blood of a Holy Ghost-fueled message. You know what we're saying? We can take our time and we can slow it down and we can really get into the details of it. And then, then we learn why. And what does the why impart to us as believers? Well, it imparts all this stuff that we've been talking about in Proverbs about Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It's hard to over-promote that. Because when we have wisdom, then we know why we believe what we believe. And then we know why we do what we do. And that helps to mature us in the faith. It really does. It helps to grow us from uh, either babes in Christ or adolescents in Christ into adults in Christ. And, and then our our Faith is more mature, our understanding is more mature, and our Christian life and our walk with God is more mature. And that's, that is good on so many levels. It's good for us, but it's also, like so many other things, it's good for our fellow, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's good for those that are around us, and it's good for the whole kingdom and the whole body of Christ. So let's promote the Bible studies. Proverbs chapter 2 is a little bit of a review. We're aiming for chapter 3. In chapter, in chapter 2, verse 10, and this was our springboard for the whole series, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. Now that's a word, that's a word that looks like another word and so it confuses a lot of people and you don't hear that word froward 
a lot in modern English. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean a forward person? Someone who's headstrong? Someone who's kind of hyper-alpha and throws themselves around and bullies people? Well, no, not really. The word forward means, it refers to someone who is habitually hard to control or manage and of habitually bad behavior. And I paraphrased that definition a little bit, but that's, a, that's essentially what it means. It's someone who is just hard to manage, hard to control, hard to govern, or even impossible to govern. And you see people like that all throughout society. There are people that just will not submit themselves to authority of any kind. Whether it's the laws of the land, whether it's ecclesiastical authority, the leadership of a pastor, uh, whether it's uh, family authority, the head of a family, a mother, a father, or someone like that. They just, they just won't do it. They're always in opposition to authority. Well, that's a froward person. And so here he says, when wisdom enters into your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaks froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And I know we read through this very quickly at the end of last week's study, but he says, who leaves the paths, leave the paths of uprightness. These are people that know what's right, but they depart from those ways, whether it's a man or a woman. They leave the paths of uprightness, he says in verse 13, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman. So he was talking about the wicked man, the evil man, the froward man. And now he says also to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger with which flattereth with her words. Believers are not to, to be uh, yoked together with unbelievers because you're just asking for trouble. And sometimes it happens, but you know, you're not supposed to seek that out and you're not supposed to deliberately let that in. And so... He says, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. She's trying to be seductive. She is trying to entice a man and, 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 and draw her to, uh, draw him to her. And he goes on in verse 17, he says, which forsaketh the guide of her youth. So it's the same kind of character as the man that he was talking about in the same paragraph. Uh, the man who, the man who leaves the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness and rejoices to do, to do evil, etc. Well, this woman is the one who forsakes the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. That's all the way down through verse 19. Does that sound like the kind of woman we want to get involved with, men? Does that sound like the kind of woman? Oh, well, she's just so hot. She's so smoking hot. I mean, she's just so hot. I just can't resist. She's so beautiful. I just can't, I can't resist her beauty. It's like, you better. Because this type of woman spells one thing for a Christian. Doom. Spiritual doom. Read the words that he uses here. Her house inclineth unto death and her paths unto the dead. And then he goes on and says, none that go unto her return again. Spiritually, they go unto her house and they're done for. They end up departing 
from the paths of righteousness. They end up becoming like this guy here, leaving the path of righteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. And if you don't think that happens, I'll tell you, I've seen it. Some of you have seen it too. A brother in the church, faithful, loves the Lord, wants God in his life, wants to, wants to live for God and, and do something for God. And then they get a girlfriend that is not a believer. And not only is not a believer, but has designs on pulling him away from the faith. Whether she ever utters those words or not, usually they don't. Usually they don't until a confrontation and then it comes to a head and then her true colors come out. Doesn't want him in church. Doesn't want him serving God. Doesn't want, does not want him being a Christian man because you know, she may want him. To, this opens up a door to a realm of psychology that goes pretty, pretty deep. You know, There's some women that are attracted only to men that they cannot have. There are some women that are attracted only to uh, men of a certain kind of uh, character and virtue, but they don't want him to retain that kind of character and virtue once they once she gets him. Then she wants him to be a bad boy. You know, she's attracted to him while he's a good boy, but then once she has him, then she wants to turn him into this this child of the world or this child of hell, and 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 to be involved in all these other things. It's like, brothers, watch yourself. Now, see, so you're just talking to the bachelors. Oh no, I'm talking to all of us, married and single. Because there are some women that are only attracted to married men. You want to talk about hell bait. That's exactly what they are. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to say that they're monsters or anything like that. But they're definitely of their father, the devil. They're absolutely hell bait. And so watch yourself. And then let's go back to the beginning of this paragraph where he says, well, what will keep me from that? He says, discretion discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. So we're imparting the understanding here in this Bible study tonight. Watch yourself. Watch your back. Wives, watch your husbands. Not, and I don't mean watch them like keep an eye on them at all times because you can't trust them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying watch his back. Guard your man. Because the devil's got designs on him. Well, how do I guard my man? Well, first of all, be a wife to him. Because if you won't be, somebody else will. And second of all, pray for him. Pray for him. Because he's out there in the world every day rubbing elbows with all the people that he's got to work with and all the people that he's got to interact with. And if he's working in an office, especially, there's women in those offices. And some of those women are strange women. And I don't mean strange weird. I mean they're strange as in they're strangers and they have no business being intimate with the man that's your man. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. They're there. They're there. And uh, some of them are quite outspoken. Well, what, if I'm about, what about if I'm a single man? Well, watch yourself. If you're in a relationship with a woman, well, first of all, she ought to be a Christian woman. She ought to be a Christian woman. So, well, maybe I'll get my girlfriend saved. Uh, maybe, but probably not. 
That's usually how it works. Well, didn't Paul talk about that over in, in, over in, in, in his letter to the Corinthians? Didn't Paul talk about how, you know, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband and, and, and the, and the, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife? Well, yes, but that's a marriage. Okay. That's, that's already a committed relationship. That's, that's not a courtship. That's not a girlfriend, boyfriend type of thing. You gotta watch yourself. If you're a child of God, you gotta watch yourself because the devil's got a bullseye on you. And he wants to take you out. And I don't mean on a date. I mean, he wants to, he wants to take you out. And one of the most effective ways, it's one of the most effective methods that the devil has in taking a Christian out of the family of God, taking them out of service of the Lord, is to send a woman their way or to send a man their way if it's a woman. It happens to Christian women. A man comes along and it just leads them right out of the pack. We've seen it happen. In order, uh, you've got a Christian man and a woman comes along and just leads him right out of the body of Christ. You say, well, that woman's a horrible person. Well, maybe so, but it's the believer's responsibility to watch their back. So, husbands, don't give your wives reasons to stray. Wives, don't give your husbands reasons to stray and pray for one another. And single brethren and single sisters, we don't have any single sisters here tonight, but single brethren, single sisters, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Pray, walk in the Spirit. Say, well, there's somebody that I really like. See if you can get her out of church. Really, see if you can get her out of church. Because that's happened before. There have been men that have won, that have won women uh, to, to the Lord and then were able to marry them. I'm not saying it's something you should make a practice out of, okay? And Christians don't use themselves as bait. Let me be clear on that one, okay? Well, because then what happens is that you, you've got a woman that, that uses that as like an evangelical tool, a soul winning tool. It's like, that is not spiritual. That's carnal. Or you got a man that does the same thing. It's like, oh, well, I'll capitalize on that to get them into the house of God, even though they have no interest in that woman. It's like you're messing with people's minds when you do that. That's not a good thing to do. That's not a good thing to do. You want to know who does that? Mormons do that. They'll send pretty women out there to entice men into the religion and they don't marry him anyway. They might get him hooked up with somebody else, but that's as carnal. That's as carnal as carnal can be. We're a spiritual church. Amen? We believe in the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is holy. Isn't He? And so we want to be holy too. And holy people don't do that sort of thing. We don't play mind games with members of the opposite sex just because we want to get them into the house of God. And so, kind of, I know I threw a lot out, out there. I threw a lot out at, at everybody on that subject. But, but really, that's, that's something to take to heart. We want to do things right. We want to soul win, but we want to soul win spiritually. We want to soul win the right way. Amen? Amen. Amen. So he says, to deliver thee from the strange woman, discretion, being discreet, being wise, uh, having understanding. These things will keep you. They'll keep you. If you find yourself in a potentially compromising position where an accusation could be made against you or something like that, well, then you get yourself out of it as fast as you can. And so you don't allow yourself to be flattered and enticed and brought into what is effectively a spiritual death trap. He says, 
Her house inclines unto death and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. That, that's serious. And so that's something to take to heart. Guard yourself. Married or single, guard yourself. Watch yourself. Let's move on. Verse 20, because it actually continues. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of righteousness. For the upright shall dwell in the land but the, and the perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. So there's, there's a doom sentence there for those that go out of the way and then entice others to go out of the way. But there's the promise that's at the end of this chapter. The upright shall dwell in the land, the perfect shall remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off and the transgressors will be rooted out. Well, you don't see a lot of that happening in America right now. No, but there's coming a day. Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth. It is the righteous, it is the godly, it is those that are holy that are ultimately going to inherit this entire planet. And those that are froward, wicked, strange in the context of verse 16, they'll have their place in judgment and in doom and destruction. And we're going to just leave that where it is. Now let's move on to chapter 3. We really wanted to get to chapter 3. My son... Forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Right here in this little four verse introduction to this chapter, we find the benefits of keeping commandments and the benefits of exercising mercy and of loving truth. Let's go back. Is it is English here or his language here is very plain. He says, my son, forget not my law. And one thing I like about the wording here, OK, and you can just take this and do what you like with this. But this is Solomon speaking to his son. But there's a way you can make this really personal. And you can take it as the Lord speaking to you. My son, my daughter, forsake not or forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Let it keep my commandments. And then, well, why? Length of days, long life and peace. Keeping the commandments of the Lord, keeping the commandments of our Lord Jesus will add length of days, will give you long life, will give you peace in many cases. Well, one reason is because there's a lot of things you don't do anymore. There's a lot of destructive and self-destructive behaviors that you no longer engage in. And so it's going to prolong your life. How many Christians have been shot dead robbing banks? Just for an extreme example. Well, none, obviously, because if they're robbing a bank, they ain't a Christian. And how many Christians have overdosed on heroin? And how many Christians have drank themselves to death via cirrhosis of the liver? You know what I'm saying? And how many Christians have died of, uh, of advanced uh, neurosyphilis? Boy, let's get real tonight, shall we? It's just our small happy few. How many Christians have died because they were whoring around and caught some disease that killed them? 
Now, there may be Christians that have died of that, okay, but they got saved, you know, after the fact or whatever, you know, or, you know what I'm saying. The point is, when we keep the Lord's commandments, when we embrace wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and when, when we, when we keep it in our hearts and then live it, it's obviously going to add some length of days because it's also going to help us to make wiser decisions. It's going to help us to choose when we come to a fork in the road in our life and the straight way ahead of us is wisdom and knowledge and righteousness and uprightness of character and, and, and holiness, of, uh, holiness of life and all of these things. Well, and then there's this way that shoots off of it and maybe it's got some attractive things in it. Well, a ton of money and all this other stuff. Not that money is bad. We're not condemning that, okay? There's Christians that have been rich. There's Christians that have been poor. But a lot of times the devil uses that as an enticement and then snares them some other way. Well, when we don't forget the Lord's law, when we don't forget the Lord's commandments, but we keep them and we live them, it's going to add some life to our life. And it's going to give us peace. And it's going to give us length of days. And then he adds to it, right to this, right to the tail end of that, he says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, oh, this is introductory, okay? And there's been a lot in chapters 1, 2, and in the beginning of chapter 3, there's a lot of talk about wisdom. There's a lot of talk about wisdom as a subject. Value wisdom, pursue her. Uh, later on, I think over in chapter 5 or 6, he actually says, Make wisdom, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and unto understanding, thou art my kinswoman. You know, so there's a lot of talk about wisdom. But now let's actually get into some wisdom itself, shall we? That's kind of what we came for, at least in the study of wisdom, right? Where you're talking about it. Now, how about actually imparting some? Well, here he says in verse five, let's jump right into it. Verse five, he says this, and this is a keystone of wisdom for an entire Christian life, okay? Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And then verse 6, right after that, he says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Ooh, all right, hit the brakes. Because that... Verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3 of Proverbs. Verses 5 and 6. This little paragraph right here. These two little verses that make a paragraph. Two, two sentences that make up this paragraph. This is like finding... Uh, I don't know if we have any game heads in here. Anybody who grew up in the 80s playing Nintendo, Legend of Zelda, or any of that silliness, okay? This is like finding that 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 artifact or that thing that you were hunting for in that video game. It's like this key that opens a door and, and just and shines light on everything and it's worth a tremendous amount. This teaching right here, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This is wisdom. This isn't just about wisdom. This is wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, what's trust anyway? Well, we've talked about that. Trust is faith. And we've talked to, we, other people, many people, it's been used a lot of times. You get onto an airplane, you're exercising faith. You're exercising trust. Trust in a lot of different things. Trust in, 
uh, Boeing or Airbus or whoever it is that made the plane, that they built it right and it wasn't made on a Monday or on a Friday, you know? Trust in the pilot that, you know, that they don't have, you know, three drinks in their system to steady their nerves, that they're competent, that they're good, that they're, that they're going to take off right and most importantly, they're going to land right, you know? Trust in all these different things. Trust in the maintenance crew. You're exercising faith and trust in all of these different things. It's the same thing in our trust in the Lord. Do we trust the Lord with all our heart? Or is our trust in Him only conditional? Do we only trust Him when there's plenty of money in the bank? Do we only trust Him when our health is good? Do we only trust Him when circumstances are bright and, and favorable and all of that and we have no complaints in the world? Is that the only time we trust the Lord? When times are good? Or do we trust Him in the face of problems that we cannot fix Trials that we can't explain, uh, difficulties that won't go away. Do we still trust in him? Do we have the kind of trust that Job had? Job who said, Though God slay me, yet I will trust in him. Wow, now that is trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And there's this the second half of that sentence, we can't just leave that hanging out there in the wind, okay? He says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Well, wait a second. Didn't he just spend all of chapter one and all of chapter two telling us to pursue understanding and, and gain understanding and, and all this stuff about knowledge and understanding and wisdom and all of that? And now you're telling me not to lean unto mine own understanding? Yes. Yes, because a lot of times, especially the younger you are in the Lord, a lot of times our own understanding can be faulty, can't it? It can be flawed, it can be skewed a little bit. And that can be for a variety of different reasons, but not the least of which is because we don't have right knowledge about something or, or our, our, understanding, our understanding might be flawed because we've got bad information about it. And then we end up perpetuating that. Have you ever been so convinced that you were right about something? Whether it was football stats or whether it was doctrine. I mean, whatever it was, you know, gardening techniques or something like you were convinced this is how it is. And then you got proven wrong by somebody. And you were eating the biggest crow you'd ever eaten in your life. I mean, legs poking out your mouth and everything. How's that crow taste? A lot of times our own understanding about something can be wrong. And especially when our own understanding runs contrary to the word. That's when this verse really kicks in. That's when this, this wisdom really kicks in and reminds us, hey, doc, hit the brakes. Don't lean to your understanding. The word of God says this. Oh, but it's not going to work out. You don't understand. Uh, uh, this is the only way that it could possibly work is if we do what I've always done in this kind of situation or, or, or what the counselor told me to do or what the psychiatrist told me to do or, or, or what my mom and dad told me to do or what my grandpa told me to do or whatever or what my wife or my husband told me to do. Well, when the Bible says that we should do this, then we lean unto the Lord's understanding. That'll keep you. Because when you lean on your own, and you see people do this, and you see people do this in life, and then 
Sometimes it works out, but not in the greatest way. And a lot of times it falls apart when they lean to their own understanding. Well, and then and then it's excuses that all come up after that. And then the explanations and the justifications and all of that. But he says it right here. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. A lot of times you see this demonstrated in the way people handle their money. Let's read the next paragraph because it ties right into this one. He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. That, well, that's just the same thing as saying not leaning unto your own understanding. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel. Yes, it says that. And marrow to thy bones. It just means it's going to be healthy to your body, okay? Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. You'll be in better health for it. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Some of you have lived this and you know it's true. When you honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase, you know what this is a reference to, then God blesses you with even more of it. And then you see some people that they get nervous. So what are you talking about? We're talking about tithe. I don't often talk about that because I, I always want to avoid being that preacher that's always talking about money because it just turns people off and it makes you wonder what is that the only thing that he thinks about. But that's part of the Christian life is tithing unto the Lord and giving in offerings. And what he says here is if you do, if you do, if you honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, that's a direct reference to tithing right there. When you do that, it's a demonstration of faith and it unlocks the windows of heaven upon your life. When you see a believer that is not afraid to open this thing, they're not afraid to open their wallet. They're not afraid to tithe. They're not nervous about giving. Okay. And they're not unwise about it either. They're not like selling all of their stuff and giving it to the church. If you try that, I'll probably shut you down because that's not wise and you'll be doing yourself some serious harm. But when you see a believer that's not afraid to tithe and is not afraid to give, you see a believer whose life is getting blessed and is getting blessed and is getting blessed over and over again. And they end up getting given more. And God gives them more and God gives them more. We've seen it happen. But when you see a believer that is leaning to their own understanding and is wise in their own eyes and has an attitude of, I can't afford to pay my tithe. I can't afford to give anything in the offerings. Then that's exactly what you're seeing. You're seeing a brother or sister that's leaning to their own understanding. And that's wise in their own eyes. Well, what happens to them? Well, their barns aren't a lot of times filled with plenty. And their, their presses aren't bursting out with new wine. They are not experiencing abundance uh, because, and again, I don't really ride this horse a lot because there are a lot of, there are a lot of people that have taken this kind of teaching and they've abused it. 
they've run to extremes and then they inflate it to outrageous proportions. Okay, but it's here and it's in the scripture and we can't be afraid to teach it, can we? And as Christians, we can't be afraid to live it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust in your bank account. You trust in the Lord. Because money fails eventually. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to thy navel, marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance when with, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Wisdom is trusting God, not leaning on your own understanding or thinking yourself wise, even though you may be. Okay? But wisdom is not being wise in your own eyes. Wisdom is being wise, understanding that your wisdom comes from the Lord. And then when you're wise, you can wisely honor the Lord with your substance. And you can wisely honor Him with the first fruits of all your increase. Okay, so we've had three lessons now out of this book about wisdom. And now we're being challenged with some of it. Well, let's rise up to the challenge. If you're tithing, praise God. Keep on tithing. If you're giving, give as the Lord lays upon your heart. I don't yank money out of people's wallets. I don't do that. Okay? But if you're not tithing, we have this paragraph here, verses 7 and 8, 9 and 10. Why don't you have some faith and start? God will bless you for it. He will open things up and bring opportunities your way and bring increase your way. I dare you to trust the Lord with all your heart. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY giving.